0: To learn your cliches, you're gonna have to study them, you're gonna have to know them. Well, you know, you go out there and you give 110% and you want to play good and you know you hope you play good. I think we play pretty good tonight. Well, you know, there's no I in the word team, and this is a team effort. Oh man, you just gotta play one game at a time and go out there and give 110%. All right, play ball.
1: Hello, men, women, and children of most ages, and thanks for dropping in to listen to Scoring at the Movies. Every other week, we review sports movies from many years ago to see what we think of them now. And our talks are littered with spoilers. I'm the guy who's freaking naughty and who can't dodge any sort of mechanics tool. I'm especially bad at avoiding wrenches. Ryan Ellis, and here's the fitness buff who's better than me, and he knows it. Chris DiGregorio.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Ryan. I look forward to finding out, of the two of us, who is the awkwardly feminine and who is the possibly canadian i think we're both quite frankly
1: (laughs) touche when white says that apropos nothing touche before we get going into dodgeball a true underdog story this week's movie got some goon runs hit snares here or what would you call them when it's hockey body checks and body checks trips and cross checks i guess
0: yeah maybe empty netters no that's not right
1: Fights, fights. it's appropriate. We talked about Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux, and you said that Lemieux averaged more points per game than Gretzky in his career. I looked it up. He did not. Gretzky had more. It was 1.92 per game to 1.88 per game.
0: I think the reason for that is Mario, for a long time, averaged better than two points per game, but then he famously had health issues, right? Hodgkins non- or non Hodgkins lymphoma. Right. He retired, came back, then ran into some knee injuries and things like that, so he retired again, and I think he came back a third time, He's an older man, he's injured, shell of what he was when he was a young guy, and that really brought his point per game down. That's probably what it is, yeah. For quite a while, it was always the argument between the two of them, who is truly the best of all time. You can't argue with Gretzky's point total, obviously, he crushes anybody else, but the argument for Mario was the points per game and the physicality and some of the other elements Mm. of the game that Gretzky didn't have.
1: It's like war in baseball, that stat war. Yeah, Yeah. What makes you more valuable? You might have played 130 games, but you're more valuable than the guy who played 30 more games and had the typical stats, RBIs and that kind of thing. But Mike Trout, for example, is a darling of the war stat, even though his other numbers, as great as they are, are not quite at the level... That some other guys are
0: pretty great <laughs> I mean...
1: no they are but he never leads the league in rbis for example and through most of our childhood until maybe only a few years ago that was one of the glamorous stats of them all not anymore
0: yeah, sure. still like an interesting stat but it also it's such a function of where you are in the lineup exactly and, and sometimes
1: on... dumb luck you can't control who's on base ahead of you exactly
0: so if you have a crappy leadoff man ahead of you and i think trout usually bats second or third yeah, at most years, right? right and
1: he just finished second in the mvp race which makes it first or second and one fourth actually last year was fourth but every other time he's been up for the award. His very first year, which was a partial year, wasn't even a rookie. Yeah, I won't year. count
0: that. I think he only played forty. So okay, games or let's something. go
1: by that first full season. Every year except for one, he was second or first, and he won only twice. I guess well, he'll win a lot more. And Mookie. he was fourth. That's the lowest he's been. His fourth.
0: <laughs> Mookie Betts won this year. Yes, he did. He, he had a great deserved year. to. He was the best choice.
1: If Trout had won, who could argue that?
0: But Betts deserved to win. What's impressive to me about Trout, the man hits for average power. And steals 30 bases on average a year or thereabouts. He's the five tool talent. Good
1: defender, too. And he's a good defender.
0: I mean the guy's incredible.
1: Also, we talked about Bob Probert a lot in the Goon podcast. He definitely was a big man. He was six foot three. He's dead now. Six foot three and two hundred and thirty pounds. So you talked about him not being very big but being intimidating. And just like Liev Schreiber in Goon. We implied he wasn't big. I actually took a little section out where we talked about how he wasn't very big, but I looked it up. He's also 6'3". Is he really? So Schreiber and Probert were basically your height.
0: Hey, whoa, 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 Ryan. That's pretty intimidating. I'm 6'4", all right? Basically your height. So to me, both Bob Probert and Lev Schreiber aren't that big.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we talked about Ty Domi, and he's barely taller than me. So that is true. He's not physically imposing, but was a tough guy. One other thing I want to talk about with the goon stuff was the code in hockey. We talked about this. Now, I'm a guy who believes in the proper authority should handle violent situations, just in life, right? But then I got thinking about this. You're
0: not into vigilante justice, is what you're saying? No. (laughs) Never. Except
1: when we do Batman impressions.
0: Okay, so here's my scenario, though. So your friend's
1: getting beat up outside a bar. Do you wait for the cops to break it up, or do you jump in and go after the attacker, both to stop your friend from taking a beating and to enact what you think is some form of justice?
0: You'd probably jump
1: in. You'd try to stop it, wouldn't you? Yeah. So that's what the goon in hockey is is doing.
0: Maybe. I think the difference there is, I get what you're saying. You would stop the fight to save your friend, but ideally, you stop the fight, you get your friend to safety, and you wait for the cops. You don't then jump the guy beating up your friend and then start pounding on them or get pounded yourself. You might if you're angry enough, but that's not the ideal Whereas in hockey, usually a fight breaks out because maybe a star player gets cross-checked and the goon comes out historically to try to beat the snot out of somebody for daring to hit the talented player. You hope that the officials call penalties where they're warranted and punish people for dirty plays. But what you see in hockey a lot, unfortunately, and I think this is what historically gave rise to this kind of enforcer culture, is that it's a fast game. The refs have a tough job. Penalties aren't reviewable in hockey. So if you miss it, you miss it. So if a dirty check or something is missed, then you might feel like you got to go take it to the other team because they didn't get called on it by the proper authorities. If you're like a dorky NHL fan like I am, and you watch these highlights, you see some things happen. And a few weeks ago, there was a game between, I think it was Vancouver and Florida. A very talented young player on Vancouver essentially got body-checked into the boards and then the bigger player just sort of grabbed him and threw him to the ice and he got suspended for two games and he should have it was totally unwarranted the puck wasn't around it was a dirty play made sense but why i find it interesting is earlier this week an identical play happened different teams but again a player was body checked and grabbed and thrown to the ice after the play had left the zone and it was only because that player had made the other player look bad in an earlier shift so this was a little right. bit of punitive justice. In that case, the guy didn't even get a penalty, never mind uh, suspension. So there's like an inequity in the proper authorities doing their job sometimes. Like I said, I have a lot of sympathy for refs, but I have less sympathy when the head office doesn't do their job with consistency, right? Okay, and yeah. I think we see that along across all sports, whether it's baseball, hockey, football. Suspensions, seems like there's not a lot of rhyme or reason to a dart at the board. Kind of, yeah.
1: Okay, Well, anyway, I just got thinking about that and had to bring it up that I don't want to be hypocritical because I don't know if I would do anything in a fight, but if my friend was being wailed on, I'm not going to say, well, let's wait for the cops there, honey. (laughs) So the we don't like fighting in hockey plot has thickened. We've got to talk about your beer choice this week. What are you pairing with Dodgeball?
0: Okay, Ryan. Well, I've got two options for you, and I'm going to let you make the call. These are both homages to the average Joe's attempt at fundraising with their all-male car wash. All right. All right. And they're both from Flying Monkeys Brewery in Barrie. One is Juicy Ass... (laughs) which I thought was fitting given the banana hammocks that some of the guys were wearing in that scene. The other one is the Milkshake IPA. Live transmission Milkshake IPA. Mostly because I want to see how many boys this Milkshake can bring to the yard. (laughs) I i'm a little ashamed i know of that my... song but i don't know what the next lyric is didn't they play that song during the car wash scene i saw this movie a long time ago i watched it probably almost two weeks ago oh man i made myself feel so dirty just uttering that <laughs> phrase and <I> you didn't even <laughs> get
1: what i was going for no i basically get it i just don't remember <laughs> the song itself
0: oh i feel awkward now
1: the answer is let's go with the juicy ass one
0: that's fair i kind of suspected that was going to be the front runner let's do it
1: you'll drink them both <clears> if i will
0: eventually that's true
1: Ah, right. uh, sound uh. effects Real effects, not sound effects.
0: That was fully work all the way. You do a very good can opening impression, <laughs> Ryan. Let me tell you. Not as good as the Batman. <laughs> but can you do Batman opening a can of beer? <laughs> you just did. Yeah, fair. He
1: does like everybody else. He's not that different. Okay, so Dodgeball was released by Fox in June 2004. It only cost about 20 million bucks, but made over $100 million. In fact, it was 19th at the box office that year. It made more money than Million Dollar Baby, Miracle, or Friday Night Lights, other sports movies that we maybe will cover one day.
0: And I think it's safe to say that in some of these big box office movies that have 100 plus million dollar budgets, and you say things like, that money's all up there on the screen. Safe to say the $20 million
1: is all up there on the screen in this one, Ryan. Yeah, Vince Vaughn probably wasn't paid that much at this point. He's the main star. Ben Stiller probably was. He was a producer, Stiller was, on this movie. So maybe he got more because of that. But the other guys, not that big of stars. I said last week, I bet there's a lot of stars in this movie who weren't then but became later on. Well, let's look at the cast right away here.
0: Well, there were a lot of people in that movie that... Might be cameos, but they're legitimately... I was including that, though. Yeah, very... But
1: f- not the Hasselhoff. I don't mean that. I mean the younger people that are in some role where we didn't know who they were then, but we now think, oh, my God, what a star. And really, it comes like down Rip-torn?
0: to... <laughs> <laughs> Torn? The, the young hot star, Rip Torn? Or the young version, Hank Azaria, as Patches O'Houlihan. You... Enjoy the fact that young Patches O'Houlihan looks and sounds nothing like old Patches O'Houlihan yeah. as much as I
1: do. <laughs> they don't work too hard to make it consistent, do they?
0: Azaria is doing a very Clark Gabley type of voice, and rip I don't torn know, is Rip playing, Torn rip, is just playing Rip Torn. Rip torn yeah.
1: He's John wayne his way through that role. But we talked about this last week. Jason Bateman certainly is a big name now, who wasn't really at that point. Pepper. As the color man. And then Gary Cole, big-ish. But apart from Office Space, well, that was a pretty good role, I guess. But that wasn't a big hit either, Office and Space wasn't. so
0: Talladega Knights, which did come after this. Exactly, right. So we've
1: got to talk about what came before or at this same point. So those two guys, you could say, are stars. Missy Pyle, who was in Galaxy Quest with Justin Long. Now, that star this as well. That That's was what I'm saying, 90s. yeah. Because she's one of the aliens, and he, of course, is Brandon in that movie, and I think he steals the whole movie away.
0: And she looks nothing like herself. Yeah. They obviously. make her look terrible. Yeah. <laughs> she's a
1: cutie. And then all those cameos, and this is not what I was talking about, but Hasselhoff is in it briefly, Shatner's in it, Lance Armstrong, pre-scandal, and of course, thank you Chuck Norris.
0: Yeah, fucking Chuck Norris. <laughs> now what was missing from that Lance Armstrong inspirational speech was the part where you inject yourself with several different types of steroids in order to succeed to that level, but in there is subtext, if not explicitly stated. The worst problem about him is the lying.
1: If he was caught and admitted to it... Or if he didn't smear the people the way he did. The way Ryan
0: Braun for the Brewers did. Uh, yeah. Lying about the whole thing. I loved that guy until the whole scandal. And to this day, I have zero respect for the man. He's still a good player, but...
1: He's such him. a different player since he was caught. Arod rod also lying about all yeah. these things. So it's hard to forgive the guys who were liars. But even the ones who smear people like Armstrong and Braun did.
0: Now Armstrong has, at this point, admitted he did take the steroids. Yeah, wasn't he an Oprah doing that? Yeah, but it took him years and years and that years. And he slandered everyone under the sun, laid accusations about fraudulent testing and all that. And what I don't understand, once you're caught, and you're caught objectively through testing, what are you hoping to achieve through the denials? Especially when you know you did it. Yeah, you know you did it. By all accounts, maybe more than any other sport that I know of, Professional cycling, it's just rife with this kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. right? So if that's the case, just admit it. You're going to lose your medals or whatever the hell it is, the Tour de France. He was stripped of those You're going to get stripped one way or the other. But at least if you admit it and you talk about your health problems, you have that going for you. People are going to be sympathetic to some degree. Talk about the culture of this doping in the sport. I had to compete. Yeah, talk about the pressure. Talk about your personal identity. Talk about whatever the hell you want, but at least you'll maintain... The public sympathy, you'll maintain some sort of presence in the spotlight. I mean, I'm sure he's rich, don't get me wrong. But he's got nothing going for him anymore as far as public speaking opportunities, as far as television appearances. All that's gone because of the approach he chose to take. It doesn't make any sense. People should just be fucking up front about this because we all know what happens. If you get caught, you got caught. And
1: he ruins the cameo in this movie more importantly than anything else because it's a very inspirational moment and he ruins Dodgeball. By not being truthful in reality.
0: Yeah, he tarnished the great game of dodgeball <laughs> through his lying. Would you like me to nutshell dodgeball a true underdog story for us? I've been nutshelled a few times by
1: dodgeballs, Ryan. It's <laughs> not fun, let me tell you. I'm going to steal from the movie itself this time. I couldn't come up with one, but I like this one. Do you believe in unlikelihoods? Yes! <laughs>
0: <laughs> this movie hit when I was, what, 23 years old or so, so it was like mm-hmm. right in my wheelhouse for like a juvenile... A teen comedy, but you know what I'm saying. Young adult comedy. Same
1: year as Anchorman, which also fit that oh, bill. F-
0: still one of my favorites. Going back as a cranky old man now and watching it is not quite as funny. But what does hold up more than anything else are the characters of Cotton and Pepper and their commentary for the show yeah. when Average Joes comes out for their first match in the tournament. And I like they, that. <laughs> their gear has been switched up, so they're wearing the bondage stuff. You know, everyone's aghast at first, but then the game starts. And Cotton is such a professional sports announcer that he's throwing out, not at all accurate, but within the context of the movie, right? He's throwing out facts about the origins of bondage being traced back to the island of Lesbos and the Greek playwright Sophocles or whatever the hell it was or Sophos. <laughs> and I just love the fact that they're portraying the sports announcers in the way that they go from aghast to professional to anecdotes to little factoids just thrown in like that. And it's very reminiscent of Brockmeyer. The television show with Hank Azaria, speaking of Hank Azaria. All right, yeah. Regardless of situation, there will be some sort of little pithy fact that any professional sports announcer will be able to throw in. It's not the greatest show I've ever seen, but I'm a big fan of Azaria, and okay. his performance
1: yeah. is really good. So, so what about this movie? Seventy percent of critics liked it, seven zero, and seventy six percent of audiences. Helen Mirren is apparently a big fan, the English dame. What about you and me?
0: As I just said, I loved this movie when it came out. I think I saw it in the theater three or four times, as I did probably Anchorman the same year. I was seeing a lot of movies at that point, though. Looking back, there's some stuff that doesn't quite hold up the way it did, and I don't laugh as hard as I used to. Me neither. This is closer to, like we talked about with Goon, I might smile or chuckle softly. I think I do that more now with this movie than I did in the past, though I will say the best part of this movie still is the actual tournament at the end. Mm-hmm. There's some great lines over the course of that last 30 minutes of the movie or so, and a lot of them are attributable to Gary Cole and some of the cameo appearances.
1: And even Ben Stiller, too. The whole, I'm working my butt off out here. That's a reference to Jimmy <laughs> Connors, who had a comeback <laughs> yeah. as an old guy. I'm working my butt off, and you're making calls like that. I think the dialogue is exactly what Jimmy Connors said as well on is the it? tennis court. Yeah, I think so, anyway. It... And isn't it in the tournament when he says, nobody makes me bleed my own blood? Yeah.
0: No, no, that's when he tries to hit on... Miss Veach. Okay. That is earlier. All right. It's earlier.
1: But Ben Stiller of the main stars, I think, is the funniest one. He's
0: pretty good. He's pretty deadpan on a lot of that delivery when he's saying some truly ridiculous stuff. Michel had some digestive issues. I hope you don't mind as he <laughs> comes out of the bathroom of Vince Vaughn's room when they're trying to throw down the intimidating... What's the word I'm looking for here? Challenge? To... No. That whole anecdote went out the window in a hurry. Well, I ben, lost
1: it. Bev always talks about comedy's commitment, and Ben Stiller, in most movies, especially this one, is committed.
0: He's committed, and I give Justin Long some credit, too. I I'm a say. Justin
1: Long fan, especially around this time. Like I said last or two weeks ago, Galaxy Quest steals the movie from everybody else, and they're all great, too.
0: I know you're a Justin Long apologist, Ryan. <laughs> I'm not so much. He's fine, I guess. And I like him in Galaxy Quest. I think we both love that movie. And in this, he actually is pretty good. Just some of his reactions... I think that, incidentally, is what this movie does best, aside from some of Stiller's lines, are those quick throwaway lines, throwaway reactions. And Justin Long does that great. There's the scene where he bumps into his girlfriend or wannabe girlfriend in the hotel for the first time, and they're going to ride the roller coaster or something like that. And the douchey boyfriend flips Justin Long off as he's walking away, and Justin Long just has this disbelieving, uncomprehending... What? <laughs> what? <laughs> like react, Like he doesn't understand. What, what does that happen-
1: even mean? Yeah.
0: <laughs> those kinds of little tidbits that he throws in, I think he does really well. And those do make me laugh. But his biggest moment is when he has to dodge the wrench so he can
1: dodge the ball.
0: Yeah, and apparently that really hurt him. Yeah. He got a concussion.
1: It was a rubber wrench, I guess, but a harder one than the ones yeah. they use later on. And in the scene, he's really selling it. I think he does a whole big pratfall, right? So yeah. he got cut open from that.
0: Have you ever played dodgeball as an adult? Not like children in gym class kind of stuff. Okay, but... two
1: things. First of all, I'm not a huge fan of the sport of dodgeball. I don't remember when you were a kid that you could hit in the face. That was illegal. That didn't count.
0: Yeah, I don't think that you can. Who the hell knows? I don't know how <laughs> tightly regulated dodgeball is. I guess they want ball is.
1: comedy in their comedy, yeah. so they're allowing it to happen. Okay, so that part is addressed. The second thing is, I have played as a kid when I did all sorts of sports a few years ago with my friends. Rather than playing So not as a kid. Ball... No, no, we're talking three, four years ago. Not...
0: Though you just said I played it as a kid, but...
1: Oh, I'm sorry, okay. A few years ago, you were still an adult man, right? I was a kid when I was 40. (laughs) I'm aging poorly, very badly. Are you
0: Benjamin Buttoning Me?
1: I'll try this again. So when I was an adult about three or four years ago, we played all sorts of sports in the fall rather than fall ball, softball. And it was floor hockey and it was ultimate frisbee and a few other things. Dodgeball was one of them. Yeah. I didn't love it because I have a pretty good arm in softball. It's not a great arm. It's not bad. But in dodgeball, I was kind of spleeny-armed. I couldn't throw very really? well at all. I watched some of the people on my team in that thing. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I couldn't get a very good grip on it, I guess. I don't know. So I don't really love the sport because I wasn't that great at it.
0: I find it fun. I uh, played it a few times as an adult. Where it really falls down as an adult, though, is if you do it in a recreational setting without a referee, you're asking for trouble. My wife and I joined a co-ed rec dodgeball league Self-rep though, right? So like you referee yourself, because it was through the TSSC,
1: wasn't it? It was. no referees, yeah. Yeah, No referees. The sport and social club in Toronto. Again,
0: it's like a recreational co-ed thing. You figure it'll be pretty loosey goosey, fun. Everyone will just be there and have a good time. No, people were Mm. damn serious, and they cheat like nobody's business. And it becomes super frustrating. And you're not supposed to be able to hit in the face or anything like that. But of course, you still get pegged in the schnoz. I famously got nailed in the groin twice in about 30 second span oh. and then, like, stormed out of the gymnasium because I couldn't take it. Yeah, the reason I asked you about it, because I have played enough softball with you to know you've got a pretty good arm and you've got some stank on the ball, too, when you throw it first base. It's not necessarily a straight ball all the time, right? It's got a little bit of a curl to it. Does it? Okay. Yeah, you didn't know that? Not really, no. <laughs> you got some English on your throws. We often talk about how realistic mm-hmm. <laughs> movies are in their depiction of the sports. Patches has some good advice. You throw low, right? You don't throw high because high is easier yeah, to catch. Right. Now, people often do throw high in this game. You talked about the head shots and there's a lot of caught balls. You also don't want to throw a straight ball. You don't throw overhand the way that they do here. A little quick sidearm throw so you get some English and some spin on the ball makes it harder to catch, especially if you're throwing at shins. I'm kind of surprised. I would have thought that you would naturally get a little bit of I thought i would be better at it, too. <laughs>
1: I don't want to be a suck and say, I didn't like it because I wasn't good at it, but they actually played, these same friends I mentioned, in a tournament maybe a month after we played in all sorts of sports. And I believe they asked me, but I thought, I don't know. I was working what that weekend anyway, so I couldn't have gone okay. regardless. But if I was available, I would still have said no, because really? I don't think I would have enjoyed playing it for, what, five games worth of or something like that? It's actually a pretty good workout, too. Well, that's true. And also, isn't it when we played it, I don't remember now because it was quite a while ago, which they don't do in this movie, that when you're hit, you go to the other side behind so you can hit people from both sides. Didn't we do it that way? I know we did it as kids.
0: The way I played it was pretty much the way they played it.
1: Okay. Well, then maybe that's just what I'm remembering as a kid. Because then you can be attacked from behind as well, which makes it maybe a faster game. Maybe that's why we I do think it, that's in
0: probably it Yeah, high
1: school. Well, probably grade school, not even high school.
0: I did find it interesting in this that their knockout tournament at the end was a winner-take-all one game. <laughs> For the spectators, you've only got a 32-team bracket, apparently. And it's six on six and winner take all for a single game. That's got to be a quick viewing experience. It could be, yeah. There are those
1: big swings where if you catch a ball that somebody's thrown, then not only are they out, but one of your people comes back on. And then that happens twice in a row for the average Joe's team. So they get both Peter and Kate go back on the floor over a two. Well, I think they say it's a three-player swing, but it's actually a four-player swing.
0: Yeah, it's a four-player swing at that point, I guess.
1: That's one way to keep the game from being 45 seconds long. Although a really bad team probably would only take about 45 seconds to be knocked out. And the average Joe's team is supposed to be really bad, but we have our Rocky story here, so they have to triumph. That's one thing about the movie I didn't love, by the way, is the ending. I like the dips and dives, if you will. Dip, dive, dodge, duck.
0: Dodge. And dodge. Yeah. Dodge, <laughs> but anyway, dog, at the dip, end, dive, dodge.
1: Peter beats White head to head, so they win. You didn't like the little Jedi moments with the disgusting scarf around the eyes? No, that was fine. I like that. But just the <laughs> winning and the losing part... So Peter beats White, but then he already sold the gym the night before to White. So this triumphant moment, then a non-triumphant moment, but then that deus ex machina, which literally is on the treasure chest at the end, where... That's a cute moment. Come yeah, on, when the that chest was, is deus ex machina. So it was both funny, but I didn't love the idea that... You know what I didn't love, actually? I should put it this way. I didn't love that our team won at all. They should have lost. And then still have it be that Peter bet maybe on the Cobras, So then you could argue he deliberately lost but anyway bet on them and then bought out white's gym which is what he does do
0: i wonder if the adaa the american dodgeball association of america has anti-gambling rules in the same way that major league baseball does because when peter admits to betting on the match does he then forfeit the match for his team but
1: he in reality bet on himself i said he should have bet against himself didn't he bet on himself bet he on did, his team? yeah
0: but so did pete rose yeah But the argument was that he was also a player manager and had some inside knowledge about who was going to play, who wasn't going to play, and blah, 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 blah. But so was Peter. Peter was the manager of the team and might Mm -hmm. have inside knowledge about what's going to happen. All I'm saying, Ryan, is that I think there's a bit of a scandal that doesn't go addressed in this movie. There should be a
1: sequel that's all dark and (laughs) gloomy.
0: I'd love to see a sequel where they talk about Steve the Pirate as suffering from some sort of post-traumatic stress disorder (laughs) and... That's why he's pretending to be a pirate. There's a that. good line
1: about that, by the way. There's a guy in our team dressed
0: like a pirate. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, and then, and then right at the end, when Steve the pirate shows up in total casual polo t shirt and jeans, and mm-hmm. they he goes, "Hey, it's Steve the pirate!" Right <laughs> after not being able to reconcile the fact there was a pirate on his That's team nice the touch. whole movie. Alan Tudyk here is Doug Benson him Tudyk's. I loved him in Firefly. And one of the most touching moments. He's of, probably still best known for that. What was the movie? Not Serendipity. Serendipity. Yeah, when he dies. I got the feels right a lot of
1: people did people will talk about the most heart-wrenching moments in media whether it be movies or TV I've seen this many times and that one almost always comes up oh yeah it gets me he was also K2SO on Rogue One a lot of people loved his performance in that Beb didn't oh yeah he was she talked about not being a fan but he's the voice I think he even did the stop motion stuff that provided the visual effects yeah I think I read somewhere that he was on set he Andy Circus. he was circusing yeah but he's done voices in a lot of things. I thought he was pretty good. I, thought I think T. he steals the movie. Yeah, me too. It's not the most fun movie, actually? It's pretty much a downer, but he is fun, and he's funny.
0: Yeah, Rogue One might be my favorite of the new Star Wars movies oh, really? though, over the last okay. five or so. It's a downer by design because we all know how it has to end, and there's some huge gaping plot holes in it mm-hmm. as well. But it's... The way that they directed it and played out the action of it was pretty fun. And then you get
1: that incredible thing with Vader at the end, which was not in the original screenplay, but kicking ass. That
0: was an amazing little scene at the end. The plot hole from that, though, is
1: that what's it supposed to be a few days later when he has a sword fight with Obi-Wan Kenobi, he can barely move because he's an old guy. Yeah. But what's it supposed to be a few days before... Killing all the rebels.
0: But at the same time, when he's fucking up the rebels, he's not dancing around and jucking and jiving or anything like that. He's still slowly kind of plodding his way through. He's just force. But very fast and
1: aggressive in a way that he's not. In pretty much any of the lightsaber fights, but certainly not in the very first movie with Obi-Wan. Why are we talking about Star Wars? <laughs> because Star Wars is
0: awesome, and we're both pretty dorky. So. I do
1: love tangents in our podcasts with you and with Bev. By the way, Bev and I just passed 275 podcasts. Oh, snap. But we're close to 300 on this channel because you and I are now doing... I don't even see what number this is. Is it 13? It's 13 or 14. Yeah, 13. And then I did one by myself way back when. So it's nearly 300 in total. Early New Year it will be 300 in total on this channel. Wow. Sometime next spring will be 300 for Bev
0: and me. This is a point I wanted to talk about, and you kind of touched on it a little bit when you talked about not liking the ending of this movie and the heroes winning. Not only does it believing in unlikelihoods, it's like, it's <laughs> yes! fucking impossible. There's no way in hell these guys would ever win. Of course. But it is part a movie of its time, comedies of the early aughts to mid-aughts, I guess, where a group of people do something totally silly and ridiculous, but it's uncommented on and treated as standard fare. That's kind of a theme of those comedies. But this movie also reminds me a lot of some of those older comedies, the ones that are really nostalgic from my childhood, where you have a stupid, silly premise. Oh, nuts. This big developer is going to buy this property unless we get $50,000 to pay them off. Goonies, then. Goonies, or like Caddyshack or something, right? Like those kinds of movies stupid premise and they need to make money in a hurry and they find some ridiculous way to do it. In this case, it's dodgeball, And in the end, it all works out magically and everybody's happy. Yay. And the villain gets his comeuppance. Does it make sense from any logical perspective? No, Mm -hmm. I don't think so. But when you follow the formula of those kinds of stupid movies, it fits right in. And I kind of, it does. I kind of like it from that perspective. The explanation at the end about, uh, I'm going to buy majority stake in your publicly traded company. That's kind of dumb, and it doesn't make a lot of sense when you think about how publicly traded companies actually operate, because if White owns the majority stake in the company already, I don't care if it's publicly traded, he doesn't have to sell his shares just because it's publicly traded. If he doesn't want to sell, he doesn't have to sell. It's a gaping plot hole there.
1: Yeah, true. Also, Peter doesn't really care about this gym. At the beginning of the film, he doesn't seem to give much of a shit about his gym at all. He's lax on getting dues from his guys. He's the Sam Malone. Of this gym. You
0: haven't collected dues in 13 months or whatever.
1: <laughs> There's a lot of Norm Petersons <laughs> in this gym, is what I'm saying. And it's one of the most low-energy performances that Vince Vaughn's ever given. Very unusual. It seems like he doesn't care. Not just the character, but the guy doesn't really care. And I don't think that's true, because he's working with a lot of friends, including Ben Stiller.
0: Yeah, so. it is blasé type of performance out of him. I don't know if that was by design.
1: Compared to Old School the year before and Wedding Crashers the year after, where it's the yeah. fast-talking Vince Vaughn. In this movie, he comes across like he doesn't give a shit. And his character doesn't when it comes to that gym. It's almost like he doesn't want to keep it. as He wishes they would take away from him almost. I could be projecting on him, but it seems like he doesn't really want to work there anyway.
0: I kind of took it to mean that it was less that he wanted to keep the gym, at least at the beginning, and more that he just wanted to stick it to white for whatever reason.
1: Mm-hmm. Forgive my stomach for rumbling here. I had lunch pretty early today. And if you've heard these noises, viewers, viewers, listeners, then that's what that is. It's not me farting. It's my stomach making noises.
0: <laughs> it's just you grumbling and growling under your breath. What at I the, call... In, the, the weird comments I'm I make. What I call interior farts. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great sports announcer comment. <laughs> Excuse me, dear listener, for the sounds you're hearing, it's what I call interior farts. And, uh, Do you believe in stomach grumbling? Yes!
1: I do admire the actors not flinching when they know they'll be hit by balls, especially the ones that are coming at their face. I'm sure they didn't actually wheel the ball at people's faces too much. It had to have happened a few times here and there. When you make a whole movie, you're going to get hit by balls where the whole point is to get hit by balls a lot. And it's cool that they don't flinch. Bev and I talked about that on Red River not that long ago, where Montgomery Clift at the end. John Wayne's shooting at him, and Clift is completely not selling that he's being shot at. There's nobody shooting, of course, because in movies you have it be that's a little explosive device kind of deal. And maybe the sound is next to nothing, so there's no reason for him to be flinching. And maybe they did five, ten takes, and he'd already flinched earlier on. But there have been actors who will shoot a gun in a movie and can't avoid blinking. But so for these guys, that's what I mean, yeah, because it's this whole sort of, I don't want to shoot a gun, I'm a pacifist. So bravo to these guys for not flinching when the ball's coming at them.
0: Ben Stiller's wife, who's in this. I'm Christine Taylor, what a babe. She's great, and she appears in a lot of comedies from this era up till today. Mm. Her comic delivery is great, and obviously she's a very attractive woman, too. Mm. And she plays White Goodman's, one of his antagonists in this. She and Peter are essentially the two primary antagonists to White Goodman. Apparently, Ben Stiller hit her in the face twice, and one of those, I think, actually comes up in the movie in the final match when White hits her in the face. That actually happened. That caused some marital discord for like a <laughs> week or two. And it's true, even though you're playing a game, whether it's filming this movie or playing this game recreationally, as an adult, you know it's silly, you know it's for fun, but you can't help it. If you get hit in the face with a dodgeball, you can't help but get angry about that. And so I could totally understand that this stupid movie caused them some marital strife. And she had a newborn
1: to deal with at the same time. They had just had a kid. Really? So apparently she was falling asleep on set and whatnot because she was trying to do two things at once. She had a newborn? She is thin as a rail. Mm -hmm. I know people you probably do too that have kids though and you see them soon after and think, wait a minute, are you lying to me about the child you just had? Yeah. (laughs) She is a movie star too and a lot of them, in fact most of them, get back to a typical type of shape pretty fast because it's their job. Their body is their
0: job. Look at people like Christian Bale who... Will lose 150 pounds for the machinist. Not, and then, that's an exaggeration. And then do Batman begin six and months gain later. Gain it right back. Yeah. Gain it right back. And
1: now be Dick Cheney and gain a lot of weight for that role as well.
0: Tom Hanks, right? And mm. Castaway losing an extreme, or Philadelphia losing extreme amounts of weight and putting it back on. It's all part of getting paid millions of dollars to <laughs> make a movie, I suppose. One of the controversies in the film is the casual
1: sexual harassment. It's super bad. I think we mentioned that recently, or I was at least thinking about this. Yeah, they're kids at least. The actors are young and they're playing even younger. But Jonah Hill is trying to fuck a girl when he got her drunk. That's his whole point with Emma Stone. I'm going to get her drunk, then I'll get laid. That does not age well. It probably wasn't cool at the time, but I didn't think of it. I have to admit, I didn't think of it when I saw the movie. I just laughed. I thought it was funny. But in this, you got casual sexual harassment. When Peter first meets Kate, then later there's lesbian phobia. White yeah. certainly is not even borderline about his sexual harassment. But then he is the villain, and he does pay for our stuff later on. In comedy, is that more okay? It's not okay, but is it no. more okay when you're making fun of things? It's not more I okay. I guess it's not, is it? Yeah. No.
0: essentially well, comes
1: an excuse. Well, we're just making a comedy. It's different if it's a drama.
0: Yeah. It doesn't hold up. That's why I said off the top, there's elements of this that don't hold up as well and where I don't laugh like I once did. That's one of the things. The gay I...
1: panic on the car wash as well.
0: Yes and no. I understand what you're saying. I took that more as just like gross because the dude is picking at his belly button while telling Justin mm-hmm. Long to get into the rims. So, I just took that as less gay panic and more weird. But you're right. The sexual harassment stuff, whether it's the kind of less aggressive form that the Peter character takes when he's trying to feel out Kate's availability to him, or whether it's the super aggressive and off putting nature of it that White Goodman, at least White does get a little bit of a come up ince, though, right? A
1: lot of come up ince.
0: Well, immediately, though, nobody makes me bleed my own blood is because he gets slapped by Kate when he's being too aggressive. And okay, she yeah. says, You don't get to touch me ever. I was happy to see that even in that mid-2000s movie that somebody didn't just get finger wagged. He got literally slapped for his poor behavior. And while that didn't make me laugh, like his whole come on to her, I will admit I did giggle a little bit when after he starts bleeding, he snaps his fingers and the enormous conciliary of fitness, Michelle, comes zipping up in an aquamarine Mm -hmm. Vespa scooter and White hops on and putters off. I was surprised a Vespa could hold a man that size. Like Michelle is massive, <laughs> and then another guy on top of that. Oh, another guy, ben even Stiller. though Ben Stiller is a wee little man. But to answer your question, I don't think it's cool. I agree with you, super bad. I tried to rewatch it a year or two ago, and I couldn't. I used to like that movie, and I can't even watch it anymore because of those rapey undertones. And
1: Judd Apatow was a producer on that, and he's one of the most woke guys out there.
0: Yeah. It was what it was at the time, and you have to accept that to a certain degree, but I don't think you'd necessarily excuse it now. I think it's okay to say, I can't enjoy this movie the way I once did. I think that's true of this to a certain degree, although thankfully it's toned down a little bit. The one scene that really lost it for me, though, one I used to really enjoy is that wrench-to-the-face scene with Rip Torn playing the older Patches O'Houlihan trying to whip Average Joes into shape. The lesbian phobia comments... Mm -hmm. There's a lot of them. It's rip-torn, so I think you have to accept that he's like a disgusting old guy, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we've since learned that he's even more of a disgusting human being than... Oh, in
1: reality, I mean. In
0: reality, I think. I don't know if he's one of the guys. You mean
1: the Me Too stuff? No, this preceded
0: Me Too. I thought he had all kinds of issues going on as far as his personal life than we ever would have thought of. So, that stuff, it's not funny. I don't remember it being particularly funny then. Even though the scene as a whole, mostly because he's hucking wrenches at people and stuff like that. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. That's funny. It just sends cringes down my spine now when he's throwing out stuff like that lesbian can really throw or something when Kate knocks the head off of White Goodman's full-size spying cutout of himself there.
1: And we pay that off by her being bisexual. Doesn't somebody
0: kiss her? And then the whole notion is, oh, but Peter, I'm bisexual. I'll kiss you too. Yeah. It's, it's just, kind of funny, I guess. Her girlfriend shows up after they win at the end and they start kissing. Mm. And I thought, you yeah, know, I thought you weren't gay. I'm not. I'm bisexual. Mm. That's kind of a not cute moment. But at least they tried to pay off that kind of phobic humor a little bit.
1: The guy, by the way, who made the movie, the writer and director, Rawson Marshall Thurber, who's made We're the Millers and Central Intelligence since. So he's made some huge comedy hits. Three of them right there. Those are huge comedy hits? Central Intelligence was maybe not in the top ten a couple years ago, but it was a big hit for The was Rock really? and Kevin Hart. And Where the Millers did pretty well. And then, like I said, Dodgeball made 115 or so million dollars on a $20 million budget.
0: That guy's an awesome name. He does. Rosson. <laughs> Rosson. <laughs> That's interesting. I remember Where the Millers being an okay comedy. And not I'm, not, I'm not
1: saying the movies are great. I'm just saying they were big hits.
0: I guess that did have Jennifer Aniston and What's His Nuts there. From SNL. From SNL. Jason Sudeikis. Sudeikis. Right. Who's a funny, Central funny guy? Central Intelligence,
1: I did laugh, and so did Bev. There's some things about it that are kind of dumb, but The Rock and Kevin Hart are a good team together. The Rock they is really a funny are. man. Kevin Hart, it's a little bit too much sometimes,
0: but he's a funny man. Yeah, Kevin Hart can be a little bit over the top. They're both funny. I'm a big fans of both of them. I watched that movie. I enjoyed it as well. I'm just surprised it was that big a hit at the box office. Mm. If... I don't know if it was a monster
1: hit, but it did well. Let's put it that way. Back to Dodgeball. One of the nice touches, comedy-wise, they win by default in their first game over the Girl Scouts by way of drug cheating because they should have lost. They did lose, but then the girls are juicing.
0: Yeah. God damn it, Bernice. (laughs) (laughs) That was a decent joke. But you know what made me laugh? In that co-ed rec league I played in, I played with my wife, my sister, and one of my sister's friends, and that friend was all of like five feet tall, maybe 100 pounds soaking wet. She was a tiny thing. But good at it? Not really.
1: Oh, okay. That's where you go with this.
0: No, but by virtue of the fact that she was so small and slight, she was often the last person in the game. She was hard to hit. Okay, yeah. So at the end of that match where Peter loses to the Girl Scouts, right, he's holding the ball and he's about to nail this young girl. Oh no, he does hit the young girl. And she says, Why would you do that? Right and he's playing on the sympathies Mm -hmm. and and he goes, Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you okay? And then of course he gets She drew him him in. in. Yeah, she drew him in and then he gets wailed. When we were playing She would be the last person, and you would see the men on the other team kind of hesitating because she was so small. And one of the moments that just stuck in my mind, we were playing two-on-two, and I think I got hit, and I got knocked out. So she was left alone, this young and very small woman, and there were two guys on the other team, and they were both hesitating. They had the ball. She had nothing. She was just standing there. A woman on the other team yelled, finish her. (laughs) (laughs) And so the both of them kind of looked at each other and go, okay, both of them simultaneously just wailed her. I annihilated her to like one of those scenes from a movie where somebody gets hit in the chest and goes flying backwards. I'd never witnessed it in real life until that moment. And it was something to behold. Was it actually
1: funny then, even though it was awful?
0: Well, first we checked to see if she was okay. okay then she, laughed. she was okay. And then we laughed. I mean, the combination of the finish her, and her and then just getting blasted was pretty good. But it was also very indicative of the ridiculously competitive nature of some people in this yeah. stupid recreational game. Did you notice that we have
1: Average Joes, Purple Cobras, but that is G.I. Joe versus Cobra? I assume oh. deliberately by Ross and Marshall Thurber. <laughs> hey, I read it online. My
0: head just exploded, right? didn't think of that myself. I read wow. that online. That was very good.
1: And then Steven Root. He's such a strange delight in so many things. King of the Hill. He's great He's one of the voices in that. A lot of Cohen movies. Off now, of I... Space. Was in Office Space? Oh, yeah, of course, Office. I was thinking you meant The Office, but Office Space. Office yeah, Space. Of yeah, that's... Turrets, I could play my radio at a reasonable movie. volume yep. and... Uh, <laughs> and the psychotic man wins at the end in that movie. Nice yeah. little twist. We just watched The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, Bev and I, on Friday. We're recording this way before we post the podcast, really? obviously. How is that? I was looking it's at... It's not all that funny, but yeah. it looks great and it's fun enough to watch, but he's got one of the sequences in that pretty small part of it. He works with the Coens a lot, though, so it makes sense he'd be in that. He's fun in
0: this. I really did enjoy the, how's that mail order, bride working over you? Really great, Peter, really great. And, then of course, looks over waves at his wife, who yeah. throws up the L on her forehead. Mm-hmm. That's right, honey, L for love, L for love. And then, was it Chris Williams, the actor? Or... The only black guy on the team, Dwight,
1: who is Crazy Dwight, Eyes yeah. Killer on Curb Your Enthusiasm. So we talk about people who are great in Future Things. <laughs> that was a funny episode. <laughs> crazy Eyes Killer! Are you my Caucasian? Are you my Caucasian? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wow, that is a deep cut. Well done, sir. <laughs> He's good in this. I could have done without some of the ridiculous rule pandering that they pull out. I guess it all pays off in the end. Without his weird rule pandering, you wouldn't get the Chuck Norris moment. Right. Thank uh, you, Chuck Norris. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> we didn't talk about William Shatner. William Shatner has got one of the mm. great cameos in this movie as well. <laughs> you know, there's nothing I can do. It's... <laughs> the rules you need to have the full team and then presenting the fucking scepter like it's not a trophy you win it's a giant novelty dollar store looking yeah. scepter is the first prize fun touch so this
1: film had no Oscar nominations not surprisingly wait but what? <laughs> unbelievable but Ben Stiller was nominated for a Razzie that year for four different movies including this one which I think is unfair but along came Polly, Anchorman very small part of that and Starskin Hutch with
0: Owen Wilson Wait, in Anchorman, he was the Spanish language... The cameo. Cameo. Why they included that, I not That's don't know. surprising. And Spanglish, you said? Starskin Hutch. Starskin Hutch. All right, I get that. Long King Pauly.
1: I'm not a fan of that movie. No? He and Aniston, no chemistry at all.
0: No, they don't. Negative
1: 12 chemistry, in fact. They're in the hole. They have to do great chemistry movies to make up for what they lost in that movie.
0: I mean, that's fair. I get that. I agree.
1: Philip Seymour Hoffman Philp- steals this movie when he's in it. Graved White it. chocolate. Alec Baldwin's pretty good too, but the two leads in that are not good at all. Yeah, Philp- supposed to get together.
0: That basketball scene where Philip Seymour Hoffman is throwing up bricks yeah. while screaming out. Make it rain! Right! Make it right. <laughs> And Alec Baldwin stealing the movie. When he's having a chat with Ben Stiller at the urinals and rubbing his earlobe mm-hmm. while taking a leak and... Good talk, good talk, and slaps him on the ass yeah. and walks out. But still
1: not cool, though. That doesn't age very well either, because why is it okay to slap a guy's ass when you're a guy if you can't slap a woman's ass when you're a guy? It's a little
0: different, but still I mean, not cool. I mean, that's fair. There's a non-sexual implication to that, where there might be a sexual implication to, to slapping a woman's ass, depending on what the context is. Why are you or, assuming that they can't be gay? Well, because, in that case, Ben Stiller is actively going after Jennifer Anderson, so you know he's not gay. I guess you're right. Alec Baldwin's character could be gay. The way it was played was more for oblivious obnoxious boss yeah. humor more Shitty so boss, than yeah. yeah were we to see it in a movie in 2018 we'd probably sort of cringe a little bit in watching it
1: right I think Ben Stiller's best thing in this movie by the way I did criticize him when we did what was it Kingpin I mentioned him because we were talking about there's something about Mary that was this movie that, oh, that right, right. Fairleys made after <coughs> Kingpin and Dumb and Dumber was before and I thought that he was not that great in there's something about Mary he's funny in this though I love Metropic Thunder I think he's kind of hit or miss but I think in this movie he's the best thing His weight does escalate quickly, (laughs) to paraphrase another movie from this year, Anchorman. But that's just for a gag, obviously. Obviously. That he gets that fat that fast. So can you score at this movie? Christine Taylor helps my feelings about that. (laughs) Vince Vaughn seems like he doesn't care if he scores or wins or makes money or lives in this film, but Stiller
0: sure cares. For a character who's supposed to be the lead, he doesn't exude a lot of energy. Interestingly enough, for a guy that I guess is nominally the not sex symbol of the movie, I'd be probably Christine Taylor, but like yeah. he's supposed to be the romantic lead if there is one. He's the only guy that you don't see shirtless on that Average Joe's team um. ever, which I found kind of funny because he was supposed to be the sexy beast of the group. You know, at the car wash, they're all stripped okay. down and when they're all wearing the bondage gear, they're all stripped down. And he, Steven
1: Root will play because he's willing to look bad because exactly. he's an older, unattractive, well, he's, I think he's an attractive fatter man, but yeah. Vince Vaughn, maybe like Adam Sandler, Has never been in very good shape.
0: No, he hasn't. Not
1: awful shape, but not great shape, so he's not going to show it off.
0: Yeah, granted, he gets by on charisma more than he does on being ripped or anything. Mm -hmm. But this movie has a lot of sexy stuff going for it. Obviously, it's got white... Ooh, that was a good one. (laughs) I am hungry, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) It's got white Goodman and all of his weird cod-pieced glory, Mm -hmm. inflatable or not. And listen, Ryan, I'm not saying that watching a grown man attach electrodes to his nipples while staring at a donut does turn me on. <laughs> I'm not saying it doesn't either. Like it, <laughs> it, I'm just going to stay on the fence with that one. It's also got the Hasselhoff in it.
1: The, the Hoff, Hoff
0: in, yeah. in a really great little cameo. The
1: German's coach.
0: It's got a real touching love story. I'm not talking about Peter and Kate. I'm talking about Fran mm-hmm. and Gangly Dude on average Joe's, whose name I didn't did write his name right? down. <laughs> Let's look it up. Although, interestingly enough, he's one of those... Owen. Owen, yeah, yeah. yeah. He pops up all over the place, and if I'm not mistaken, he's the love interest to Katy Perry in one of her music videos, isn't he? Well, I don't know, Later i never her. never watch her music videos. So Kudos to him for, for that, but I did think that was a cute little touch, though. The fact that you have these two characters, one on Average Joes and one on the Cobras, there's gags made at their expense because of their physical appearance in this movie, but at the end, they come together in like this weirdly touching, romantic... Moment, They're crossing right? over. As yeah, well. good on them that they wound up that way at the end of this movie. It's a sexy, sexy beast of a movie. I give it two boners up. I was going to try to go for something <laughs> less explicit, but sure, yeah, I'll go with that. A, Especially when Chuck Norris gives you that thumbs up, that a okay. The beard, the beard, another big Whew. turn on. How was this week's beer? It's
1: juicy, Ryan. Better be when it's juicy ass.
0: It's not quite as juicy as Justin Long getting into the deep rim of that 4x4 truck at the all-male car wash, but it's juicy enough.
1: Okay, so I am at MovieFiend51 on Twitter. The website is top100project.com. As always, like I said, nearly 300 episodes in total on that channel, so go check it out. Chris and I have done 13 with Dodgeball, a true underdog story, which we give two gentle thumbs up, two gentle boners up to. Not a strong one, but okay. Two fully inflated cod pieces. There you go. Oh, next week, we didn't say this yet. Hoosiers, we're going to do that one. Very serious movie. We've done a lot of mediocre to okay sports movies, including Dodgeball. But Hoosiers, unquestioned classic. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of that movie.
0: I am too. When we talked about Any Given Sunday or Tin Cop and things like that, those are movies that are clearly much more serious in tone. They're good movies. But I think they give a lot of fodder for conversation because they're often thought-provoking. Dodgeball... Or, you know, other silly comedies. I think we ran into this with Goon and Talladega Nights and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The it's depth of a puddle. Exactly. Goon That's had
1: true. that depth with fighting and hockey. We talked about something that the movie's not about, but our feelings about what it is in the grander scheme of the That's NHL. True. Or just hockey at any level. There's a little bit more because
0: of the associations with the sport mm-hmm. that we're so familiar but with. But
1: Hoosiers is a classic underdog story. And as you may have heard, and if you haven't, we'll definitely talk about it in two weeks. The notion that the all-white team is who we're rooting for but all the black probably inner city kids the ones that are not treated as bad guys they're not villains but they're the team we want to beat at the end I wouldn't say it hasn't aged well but anyway we'll talk about that in two weeks because yeah. Hoosiers has got a lot of great stuff in it alright well I promoted so that's it we're out <laughs> smooth
0: exit <laughs> <laughs> this
1: one's been a rough one my belly is messing with me I can't be all straight and so. anyway so take your easy dudes I know that you will touché touché